0: had this entrepreneurial spirit even since when I was a little girl I was always the one like let's do a slushy stand at the park and let's <laughs> let's sell artwork that we draw to the moms and like whatever it was I used to always have these little things even as a kid um, and I, I used to thrive also working in retail and sales um, and I was so good at generating sales and retail I was always like the top salesperson in the clothing store and it wasn't very serious but all those kinds of experiences I think led me to be Become a really great entrepreneur. And even inside uh, corporate, I did well in corporate because I just used that same mindset and became an entrepreneur.
1: Welcome to The In Factor conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and today's guest is Hala Taha. Alla is the host of the Young and Profiting Podcast and founder and CEO of Yap Media, a full-service social media marketing agency for top podcasters, celebrities, and CEOs. She previously worked in corporate marketing for seven years at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise and Disney Streaming Services, handling social media, email marketing, event planning, and internal communications. In this episode, we dive into how she has turned what started as a side hustle into the number one trending education podcast and her plans to dramatically change the future of the podcasting industry. Hala, thank you for joining me today on The In Factor.
0: So happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so I'm excited. I, I um, as as you know, I'm a university professor and uh, I'm much newer to podcasting than you. I think you've been doing this. uh, Well, when did you start your podcast? April of 2018. Okay. Not that much longer. I started in in late 2019, but um, I'm just really impressed. Uh, I have listened to your podcast. It's great. And uh, you've got a tremendous following, a lot of awards, and it's just really exciting uh, to have you on the show today. And share your story with uh, the entrepreneurs that listen to The InFactor. Factor. So to get started, congratulations on Young and Profitable Media, YAP Media. Uh, you've done a really great job with YAP Media um, and your podcast. And I think you do a number of other uh, educational kinds of programs for uh, in, uh, young uh young people who are really interested in expanding their lives and finding their passion and, and all those great things. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey. I know you came through Disney and, and you've been on this fast track for the last few years. So, and, and, and and it's a lot of fun to see another female entrepreneur. So could you tell the audience about your story?
0: Sure. So um I think a good place to start where I think a lot of the love for broadcasting happened was uh in college when I got my first internship, which was at Hot 97, which is a world famous radio station. And so I ended up getting this internship at Hot 97. I loved it. I worked in the corporate area in the production department. It was my first like real job where I had to get like dressed up for work and I loved it. <laughs> and um you know, I got promoted very quickly and I was asked to be Angie Martinez's assistant. And she is like the voice of New York. She was at the time and was the biggest personality. And it was the biggest radio show in the world. And so 19 years old, here I was like, being the little assistant producer for the biggest radio show in the world. And that was super exciting. And, and, you know, I learned so much in that opportunity. I got to say commercials on air and just fell in love with radio. At the time, I thought I wanted to be a singer and I was writing music and and doing all those kinds of things. And then I realized like, hey, this might be a more realistic way to use my voice for good. And I loved it so much that I decided to drop out of school. It ended up being temporarily, but at the time I thought it was forever. I thought, Hey, I'm in my dream company going to be the next Angie Martinez. I don't need school, uh, being a little cocky 19 year old girl <laughs> that I was. And so I, uh, I, I dropped out of school. I wasn't doing very well in school. Anyway, I was really focused on cheerleading and re- like my sorority and hot 97. And so I ended up dropping out of school. And I worked at Haunt ninety seven for three years. Uh, the thing is is that they never gave me a job. They kept me as an intern and wow. a paid intern. I was a glorified intern. I was almost famous in New York. They, everybody knew me Hala from hot 97. I was hosting parties. I was on the radio, but behind the scenes, I wasn't getting paid. And there was a lot of other up and coming kind of artists in like either DJs or, or on-air personalities who were like me not getting paid, but just paying their dues. And in radio, it's really this industry, at least back then, that's all about paying your dues. So one day I had enough, I was, you know, 21 years old, a couple years out of college, like dropped out of school. My siblings were in med school and my parents were starting to get very annoyed for me. Like, are you going to host parties for the rest of your life, for your living? And I kind of, you know, Basically, rebelled. They gave a job to somebody else, and I sent a nasty text message to the person who got the job, and then they showed Angie, and I got fired, and it was just this whole thing blew up, and I ended up losing Hot ninety seven in like an hour, and it was so devastating for me. It was one of the most like when I look back at the highs and lows of my life, that was definitely a big low, and so that's why I'm kind of giving you guys so much detail. It was a big low. I lost my identity, and then I I was back at square one. So. I quickly decided to do something new. Whenever I face rejection, I always focus on the next new shiny object. That's how I get out of that depression. And so very quickly, I think I got fired on a Thursday by Sunday, I already had my new idea. And I was learning how to build websites to build uh, the sorority of hip hop, strawberryblunt.com. And my idea was to recruit other women in the hip hop and entertainment industry who weren't getting opportunities and who were kind of uh, getting like not getting supported by the women or men in the industry and band together. And so I recruited girls from Def Jam and iHeart and VH1. And we all teamed up and created this website. And I was the president. We were the sorority of hip hop, strawberryblunt.com. I went back to school. Uh, Within the first three months, we were one of the most popular hip hop and R&B websites in the world. We got scouted by MTV for our own show. I ended up hosting more parties. The the same DJs who wouldn't pay me minimum wage were now calling me up to pay me to host parties with them side by side on the flyers. And I went from being an intern that used to get coffee and and do all the errands and do all the grunt work to being like peers with everyone. And uh, so that was really great. And it it taught me a great lesson to kind of kick doors down and do it on your own and not just wait for somebody to hand you an opportunity. Even if you do good work and, and think you're doing the right thing, no one's going to look out for you more than yourself. And so uh, that was a great lesson for me. And uh, just to like wrap this up, uh, I went, I did the strawberry blunt thing for three years. uh, Didn't really quite know how to monetize. I was really young leading a team of 50 girls. It was very hard, um, barely, you know, making ends meet and decided to shut it down when we didn't get a show on MTV after filming all summer and they promised us a show. It's a long story. We can get into it if you want. I went into corporate for like five years. My last uh, year at Hewlett Packard, uh, I decided to start Young and Profiting, which was April of 2018. And then I moved on to Disney. I launched Yeah media, my marketing agency. And today we are 70 employees around the world, and we run marketing for people like Kara Golden of Hintwater, uh, the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, and so many other big CEOs and uh, podcasters. And I just launched a podcast network. So uh, that's uh, the, my story in five minutes or so. Oh, wow.
1: Now, that is a lot to pack into a few years because you're a very young woman uh, still and, uh, and into a few minutes. So that So did you think of yourself as an
0: entrepreneur through all of that? Well, you know what? I always had this entrepreneurial spirit, even since when I was a little girl, I was always the one like, let's do a slushy stand at the park and let's (laughs) let's sell artwork that we draw to the moms and like whatever it was. I used to always have these little things, even as a kid. Um, and I, I used to thrive also working in retail and sales. Um, and I was so good at generating sales in retail. I was always like the top salesperson in the clothing store. And it wasn't very serious. But all those kinds of experiences, I think, led me to become a really great entrepreneur. And even inside uh, corporate, I did well in corporate because I just used that same mindset and became an entrepreneur. And so I was very much so getting promoted in corporate and doing well in corporate as well because I had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. And and that really is uh, my spirit. I think I was always meant to be an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. You know, um, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of People who want to be entrepreneurs, and they're always, uh, you know, there is always a struggle for finding uh, the opportunity. And it sounds like you are able to recognize opportunities. How do you do that? So, where do you find these opportunities? They sound like they're passions for you, but also you've definitely found a market. You found a place where there's a market.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think really the opportunity is always trying to solve a problem and also being aware of the demand around you. So I'll give an example with my marketing agency. I never wanted to be the CEO of marketing agency. Granted, I have a lot of marketing skills. I can write, I can graphic design, I can video edit. I know how to produce podcasts. I know all the, like I, I worked in marketing, but I literally never was like, oh, I want to be the CEO of a big marketing firm. That was never my dream, but I would host this podcast and the, and the big influencers and authors who would come on my show would end the show always in the same way. Holla, you've done amazing. I love your videos. Like I love your podcast. You, you, could you do it for me? And I'd always say like, oh, no, I've got I had a volunteer team of about 10 people for for two years in the beginning. And I'd say, oh, no, I've got a corporate job. Like, you know, I'm not an entrepreneur. Like, I, I don't do this on the side. And I was actually very scared of being an entrepreneur again because I hadn't figured it out the first time and I had a cushy corporate job. And so I was very like blind to all the opportunity for years, like From like the first three months of doing my podcast, people would ask me this question. Then finally, when I had the confidence, and actually it was, it was somebody who came on my podcast, Heather Monahan, and she's a confidence coach. She forced me basically to start my agency. She was like, Holly, let's hop on a call. Like, I want you to do my videos at least and show me what you're doing. And, And I showed her all my folders and my processes. And she was so impressed. And she was like, you have to do this. Like, like, just try it out. And I was like, fine, I'll try it out on you because like, I trust you. I feel comfortable. And one thing led to another, my next client I landed was like a 30 K month retainer and then everything changed. And I was just, just decided to just do this. And I saw kind of the light in terms of the demand and how much we could charge and how big of an opportunity it was. So the moral of the story is to think about what people are saying to you, uh, because many of the times it's right under your nose.
1: Yeah. And yeah. with
0: us, Yeah. And, and and your market will
1: tell you if you're listening right you got exactly. but you got to be in touch with them you've got to be talking to them so you mentioned this um, you know how hard it is sometimes to leave a corporate job and a friend of mine wrote a book quit to start and he was talking about that the whole mindset around when is it time to quit your job? And uh, what I heard from you is that you started getting so much demand and so much opportunity for what you were doing as a side hustle that, you know, that's where your passion really was that you almost had to make that leap. Um, Does that sound, does that describe what
0: happened for you? Yeah. So, you know, if I, I, I think about it and I think that me moving from Hewlett Packard to Disney, was a key thing for me eventually becoming an entrepreneur because at Hewlett Packard, I was in an environment where I was super valued. I was the president of the employee Young Employee Network. I was getting promoted every year. If I stayed at Hewlett Packard, I literally believe I could have became the CEO like maybe 15 years later. You know, I really think I was on that path. I was being primed by all the C-suite executives. I was like, everybody loved me and I was the face of the company. Disney recruited me. And honestly, I feel like they didn't even want me to, like, I didn't move at all. I stayed there for two years. Nobody ever promoted me. I did such a great job. I was supposed to be a director level in terms of the work I was doing. I was never promoted. I just felt like stuck at Disney. Like they, they, I felt like it was a boys club to be quite honest. And at Hewlett Packard, it was a female CEO. So like women were kind of empowered at Disney. I felt like I just couldn't, move, you know, and I felt really depressed about that. And the fact that like, I had such a great job at HP and was like primed to be like a CMO or CEO eventually at that company. And then I moved to Disney and I felt like everything stopped in terms of my movement in the company. And I think had that not happened, I don't know if I would have ever actually taken that leap to actually give it a shot. But I think at Disney, I felt like, wow, like, I'm in this situation again, where I feel like the gatekeepers are telling me no and trying to control me and I'm not being promoted. And I'm seeing all these guys younger than me getting promoted who I'm way smarter than and more experienced than this doesn't add up. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to do it on my own again. And so I just started this side hustle. And in terms of when I finally got the courage to leave, I had 30 employees around the world by the time I left Disney it took me a long time to like get the courage to finally leave i i did not become a full-time entrepreneur until last year exactly a year ago last february so how and long so,
1: was that how long was it that, that you were doing both cuz that's that's an incredible feat
0: um probably like 8 months and yeah. i i worked my tail off i worked every weekend i worked nights and mornings and uh, Lunch time, but I was used to it because I was running this big podcast while in corporate the whole time. So once COVID hit, is when I started my business, and really, it's like the lack of a commute unlocked these extra three hours a day that I could just start this little side hustle. And so I just found that little time that I, that I saved in my commute and the fact that I didn't, I was very productive. And again, I was in a role where I, I was too big and too smart, quite frankly, for that role. And so I was just got my job done in five hours and then worked on my other stuff for the next like rest eight hours of the day, you know, and just worked 16 hours a day. What do you think? Um, so you're talking about hard work, which is a big part
1: of <laughs> entrepreneurship. And so, what do you think has been has led to the success that you've had? Uh, you know, one of my friends talks about everybody's got a superpower, and uh, besides hard work, where where do you think that is for you? I mean, what have been some of the things that have allowed you to succeed?
0: Oh, in, it's in building teams. Building teams. I have this knack for building teams, even when I don't want a team. So with strawberry blunt and the sorority of hip hop, I had 150 girls in and out of that organization, the three years that I was doing it. And they were all volunteers, pretty much like only the top four girls got any sort of money. And so it was all volunteers. And so I've got this knack to motivate people to work towards a common cause. And uh, when I had the podcast, because I was a little bit traumatized from, you know, 50 catty girls being, you know, in our our early 20s (laughs) trying to run a business, I was like, I'm never doing that again. And, um, you know, I had other experiences. I was president of the Young Employee Network at Hewlett Packard. I was president of my alumni association. I've always find myself in these sort of leadership positions, helping uh, mobilize volunteers. I've done this a lot in my life when I started the podcast, I really didn't want a team. I I thought this is going to be, I'm going to be on my own. I never had a solo show. I don't need anybody else. I know how to do all my own. I just need like one audio engineer. And that's kind of like what I was thinking. By episode two, I had my first team member by episode eight, I had 10 volunteers and those volunteers stayed with me. I have many of them still are with me now. And they're obviously paid team members now and managers, but uh, you know, by episode eight, I had 10 volunteers. And I think that That helped me scale. That helped me actually balance a work, like having a job, especially at HP when I was very, very into my job. And then also having this podcast because I was able to kind of train people and then scale and repeat and grow. And, and I had all these little arms and legs. And even if everybody wasn't a hundred percent as passionate as I was, but if they gave me 20%, I could, you know, that like with 10 other people at 20%, that's more than one of me. Right. And so it allowed me to kind of like scale out. So it's definitely building teams.
1: Yeah. And, and, and leadership, I think, and, and vision. So being able to set that vision and communicate that. You're obviously an excellent communicator. Could you talk to me about that? Where, where did you build your communication skills?
0: I think it was just experiences. You know, I, I, we were talking about like my upbringing before and, and my experiences in sales. One thing is that I've always had a job. And I came from a pretty affluent family. Like my dad was a doctor and like, there was actually no need for me to work. And my parents used to get mad at me and be like, Holly, you just need to focus on school. But I was very adamant about getting these experiences. And so my first job was like 12 years old, like shampooing hair. And my next job was, you know, wrapping gifts in a gift shop. And I just always had a job, you know? And I think that, talking to strangers and learning how to talk to strangers and persuading them as from such a young age, I think really set me up for success in terms of communicating later on and having like high emotional intelligence. Cause I can tell immediately when I need to shut up or when I need to just listen and, and things like that. And then I think later on in life, uh, you can always improve of course. And I started this podcast and I get to interview the brightest minds in the world. And one of my favorite topics to talk about is human behavior. Um, because the whole 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 world is based on how you perceive it and how other people perceive you. And so I love learning about human behavior and how to negotiate and how to persuade and influence. And so I think I just pick up things here and there from all these conversations that I force myself to have and the books that I have to read for work, which is my podcast and creating this content. And I think, you know, you just pick things up all the way and, and, Plus that experience helps me be a good communicator. Sure.
1: You know, uh, there's plenty of research that shows that entrepreneurs are learners and they love learning and they're curious and, and it's not all formal learning. I've been in formal learning a lot of my life, but like you, I think curiosity and being interested in people has been, you know, one of the, for me, one of the, the best things about doing a podcast. I, I'm just always really interested in learning, meeting new people, and learning about them, which can really uh, serve you well. I think in as an entrepreneur. So uh, you've done really well on LinkedIn and with social media and. You know, it's an area that today in today's world, you know, there's you just have to be out there and on social media. There's certainly plenty of challenges with it today as well. Could you talk a little bit about your philosophy about social media? You know, how do you make that work? And do you see any do you have any recommendations? Uh, Are there challenges today that we have to be careful about as entrepreneurs using social media?
0: Yeah. These are all great questions. So first things first, you need to decide where you want to hang out. Where are you going to spend your time? Where are you going to be consistent? Where are you going to learn all the features, learn how it works, read up about it, look at what other people are doing, study your competition. That's the first step. It's knowing the one platform that you're going to focus on. When I started my podcast, I had Zero following on LinkedIn. I had started all over again. I had some notoriety when I had the sorority of hip hop and I was pretty big on Twitter back then. It was like about almost 10 years ago. There wasn't that much going on in social media. So I was literally starting from scratch in 2018, no followers on LinkedIn. But I decided that the people who wanted to level up their life and learn how to be young and profiting would be on LinkedIn and that everybody on Instagram, I I tested it at first. Everybody on Instagram only liked it when I posted up like a cute outfit. Nobody cared about self-improvement. <laughs> I posted something on LinkedIn. I got a little bit of traction. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just focus on LinkedIn, right? And so I was just consistent every single day. I would do my post on the way to work on the train and then do my engagement on the way back. And I did that every single day. And that was like my routine. So it's like finding a routine to be consistent and post every single day. I would engage with my community. I would not only just post, I would also comment on other people's stuff and and DM people. I remember when I launched my podcast, I literally had maybe 1500 followers. I DM'd every single person that I had a new podcast and just started a conversation. And then those people felt really like invested in my journey mm-hmm. and I, Hala, I, I knew about house podcast since day one. And I have a lot of people still messaging me like, Hey, I, I remember you like from way back when, you know, and so people love that and watching you grow. And so just being active in your community is super important, not just posting and in, 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 like thinking that people are just going to show up on their own. Um, The other thing is just having a content strategy that works, paying attention to the things that do good and leaning into that and not just repeating the same thing every day, even when it doesn't work. So that means learning about the algorithm Uh, on LinkedIn specifically, like there's little hacks. You can't put a link in the caption because that's going to deprioritize your post, right? Uh, you want to get engagement within the first thirty minutes, so you might want to team up with people in your niche who are going to comment on your post, so that you guys all get, you know, that boost and play the game that you need to play on social media. Um, so there's lots of little tactics that you can do. Also standing out, uh, one of the things that I did on LinkedIn that really made me stand out is. I, first of all, was a female, a young female, a lot of, there weren't that many young females spending their time on LinkedIn at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second of all, I made myself bright. My colors were neon bright. It's not even my favorite colors, but I knew that was, I tested it and it worked. So I, I leaned into hot pink. I leaned into neon green and I just... Stood out, and that's what you want to do on social media. You want to stop the scroll and stand out. So, I stood out with that. I stood out with uh, animated audiograms. I don't do them anymore because I tested it, they don't work anymore. People like video back then, audiograms were cool. And so, I did comic book style audiograms that nobody else was doing. So, it's just thinking about the things that are going to make you stand out, that are going to make you innovative, and then also paying attention to what's working for your competitors and learning from them and reading about it. And really, playing with all the features to figure out what works for you. I think a lot of people make the mistake of going too wide. They're trying all the different platforms. They don't know the features about anything. They're trying to learn everything at once. That's never going to work. And if you grow and focus on one platform, that gives you a lot of leverage. My podcast only blew up and got so big because I had my LinkedIn community. That happened first. And it's because I used that as leverage to, to grow my podcast
1: boy that's great advice you know i, I love all that and you, and you know it's it's really no different than anything else you're doing in business right you're identifying a strategy and and you're focusing and and entrepreneurs can sometimes have a um, you know because we don't want to miss anything we can get too too far spread you know we don't, we're not focused enough so that's really helpful and um and and testing you tested your market throughout the whole thing right this worked this didn't work and, and, and then just, and, and lots of hard work and consistency, you know, the, 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 um, it, the social media side of everything that we're doing today, I think is critical for entrepreneurs. And, you know, I'm a few years older than you, quite a few, but, you know, a lot of people, my age, I think, believe that they can just, pass it on to somebody else to manage but it sounds like to me you've taken that as you know as the ceo of your company and the face of your company you take that
0: on personally right to manage that to be honest I mean, I do manage it somewhat now, but you can certainly get. That's what I do for a living: is I, I build personal brands and do social media for other people. So you can certainly get people to ghostwrite on your behalf and learn your stories. And so, like our process at Yap Media is basically transcribing every podcast that our client has been on transcribing, uh, reading their books, getting all their articles, and then coming up with a story journal where we know every single aspect of their life, their timeline, the stories they tell. And quite frankly, everybody tells the same 50 to 100 stories, depending on how interesting your life was, right? And so just knowing all those stories and writing on their behalf. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you were
1: working with somebody like me, how do you take, how do you take my content and my personality? Do you work at that? Like when you've got a client so that, I mean, how does that work?
0: Yeah. You create a messaging map. So depending on the, the platform. So sometimes we do LinkedIn, sometimes we do LinkedIn and Instagram and other platforms. And so who's your target audience? What are the key priorities that you want to talk about? What are the main call to actions? What's the tone of voice? Are you happy? Are you serious? Are you stern? Are you, you know, reliable, whatever, whatever, like adjectives you think represent you. And then we do the work in terms of getting your stories, getting the material. The only time it's very hard to go straight on somebody's behalf is if they have no long form content. So if you want somebody to be able to do social media on your behalf, first, you need to establish a perspective with long-form content. So that's why it works for me because by the time I had a team and could afford other people to help me on social media, I had already three years of so much content that I had written that could be repurposed, all my stories, all my articles. I had already gone on 100 podcasts. So it's like, first you need to build that own, like, I do think it starts with you on your own with some sort of long form content, whether that's YouTube videos or a book or whatever it is. And then once you've got all that poured out, you can have somebody manage your social media. Oh, that makes
1: a lot of sense.
0: So, uh, so
1: you're, uh, you're really doing well in the podcast world. Who are your mentors there? Are there people yeah. there <laughs> there that you, that you look to uh, for
0: Yes, I have I do have a podcast mentor. So Jordan Harbinger is my podcast mentor and he is one of the top podcasters in the world and I actually willed myself to be his mentee. He doesn't see me as his mentee. He sees me probably as one of his business partners at this point. But um you know, I reached out to him and he came on my podcast and it, it was just a regular interview but I kept in touch and I kept giving him opportunities whether that's, you know, I got into podcast magazine, I got the cover of podcast magazine. I put him in the article and as like a podcast I'm listening to. And then I let him know. Um, And then eventually he asked me to write ads for him. He was like, I suck at copywriting. I know you're really good at it. Can you do it for me? And I was like, sure. So I started doing a little bit of free work for him. And then eventually he ended up uh, just joining my Slack channel. We started doing calls together to investigate media buying opportunities. And one thing turned into another. And we do business together every day. And I literally talk to him every day and he's taught me so much. And without him, I don't know if I would have really figured out how to monetize my podcast so quickly in terms of sponsorships. He really taught me that side of the game, which really only the top, top, top podcasters know anything about. And so that's great. He really gave me great exposure and having a mentor that's already been where you want to go is so important to get you there faster. I feel like Jordan helped accelerate the monetization of my podcast probably by six months at least. Yeah. I, you know, I've heard that
1: your network is your net worth, And, uh, you know, I think. Uh, so how did you find a mentor and how did you expand your network of other professionals? To, I'm sure getting out there and doing it is one way, but, but, um, you know, did you, did you identify him or did you and, and, and target oh, him as a thing. mentor
0: or did that evolve through, through other. I did networking? target him as a yeah. I, I really looked up to Jordan. Jordan was my favorite podcaster. I did target him as a mentor, but I did the work to be like considered by him. Like I was doing media buying and doing really cool stuff and teaming up with other podcast players and telling Jordan like, Hey, did you hear that? Like Castbox is awesome. And all the, all the listeners are on Castbox." And he was like, no, they're not. And I'm like, Look at my, I have 80,000 subscribers. And he was like, whoa, this is amazing. So he's like, oh, okay. Hall is like a new age podcaster. That's going to give me like the new news that I have no idea about. And so I provided value to him because I would tell him all this information that I was learning and he would tell me all this old school information that he had accumulated. And then we combined and we're more powerful together. So he looked at me as an asset and I made myself an asset by doing free work for him, by him seeing like my agency growing. And I just like was very transparent, like, and Again, I don't even think he thinks of me as his mentee, but I think of him as my mentor. Sure. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. And that's such great advice. The reciprocity
1: of uh, and the relationship. Um, you know, that's what that's one of the struggles when I work with, with young entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs. They they want to get out and get as much information as they can from, from everybody else, but they don't understand, always understand that you have to do the hard work to be considered as you put it. And I yeah, love that. It's like help, I love that.
0: it. Yes, exactly. It's like you've got to help first. So my whole thing was like how can I be of service to Jordan? How can I be of service to Jordan? And then eventually I did that so much that he's like who is this girl? Like let me just give her <laughs> like let's have a call, you know? Like let's see what you're about and it's like being of service and and giving valuable information and being transparent and just being nice, you know? I I I let him know that like I don't want anything from you. I just want like a tip here and there like right. or if I have a question, I want to I I feel like I you know what it is? I felt like I had hit my limit. There was nothing I could Google anymore. And I needed advice from a real expert. And when he realized that I had that much knowledge and I just needed that, he realized like, oh, well, this is somebody that I do want to work with because she's done all the work. She's not just asking me things that she could just Google it's really deep thought questions. And so I think he appreciated, appreciated that as well. There's no doubt. And
1: having, you know, I mentor a lot of people as well, and I always learn from them if they do the work to deserve the relationship, as you talked about. So great, yeah. really great advice. I love that. You know, I'm really curious. I'm, I'm just so impressed with what you've done. And I know you don't stand still for long. So where are you headed now? What's
0: what's what's new for uh, Yap Media and and Oh my gosh. Anything you want to talk about? Yes, I am so passionate about a new project that I have, the Yap Media Podcast Network. So, I learned how to monetize my podcast like 6 months ago and have done such a great job where my podcast and all the podcasts I've grown and produced now are totally sold out for the next 6 months. And so that triggered me to think, okay, I need more inventory. I need more podcasts. And when I first started the Young and Profiting Podcast, like I told you, I never wanted to be a marketing CEO. That was never part of the plan. When people were asking me, where do you see YAP in five years? I was like, oh, we're going to have a podcast network. We're going to we're gonna be a, a heat, one of the biggest podcast networks in the world. And I'm going to have all the self-improvement podcasts on my network. And now it's a reality. And I just, it triggered me. I realized like, wow, like I've been building this network without even realizing I was building a network. And now I know how to, how the industry works in and out. I've got a brand, I've, I've got a presence and it's time. And so I'm recruiting podcasters. I had my first like six podcasters sign on last week. I literally feel like it's day one of YAF. Like it's so much fun uh, just learning and navigating. And I I've just feel like everything that we built all combined to become this podcast network and it's just it's amazing how you know you can be building something that you visualize without even realizing it and yeah, that's, really, yeah. that's really what happened with me so i'm wow. just so excited <laughs> i love that so so uh, your podcast channel
1: is going to focus on health and wellness is that what you said self
0: improvement so self improvement so any self improvement yes. okay yeah it's it's young and profiting podcast network so yap media network Uh, It's a non-exclusive network. We do have exclusive podcasts, but that's like sort of like the second tier. what I'm recruiting for now is a non-exclusive network for podcasters who are getting like 10,000 or so downloads per episode or more. And, uh, we do cross-channel sponsorships because I have a marketing agency. We can help with social sponsorships, branded podcasts, YouTube sponsorships, not just podcast ad reads, uh, like most networks mm-hmm. and we're, we're primarily business and self-improvement, but we're dabbling in other areas, uh, as well. So I have a feeling it's going to expand to be any sort of podcast. So. I'm very that's, excited. That's brilliant and really exciting. And I wish you well with that. And Thank as somebody you.
1: who's doing a small podcast on the side, I've learned so much today. It's really been fun and exciting to talk to you. I always ask my um, my guests because a lot of my listeners are students and and uh, individuals who want to be entrepreneurs. If, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to that audience today, uh, what would it be?
0: I would say that don't let the gatekeepers tell you no. If you've got a big idea, if you know you're supposed to be doing something, we live in a world now where you can start almost any business online for very little money. There's very limited barriers to entry and you can do what you want to do and you can do it slowly on the side. Uh, I'm not telling you to quit your job and just, you know, go full throttle on your dreams, but start doing something, start spending the time on your dream, whether it's a couple hours a day, uh, you, you find two hours a day, you stop watching TV for two hours a day, that's 14 hours a week that you could work on your dream. And so I want to leave you guys at that because I feel like I built my empire literally with four hours a day over the course of three or four years, you yeah. know, and then I went full throttle and, and, you know, turned it all on with very little risk. And so a lot of people think entrepreneurs are gamblers and risk takers and, just, you know, but you can do it in a way that's very calculated and be successful. So I would say take the time to follow your dreams and make the time to follow your dreams.
1: I love that advice too, you know, turning off the TV for a couple of hours a day. I mean, when you look at the statistics on how much TV we watch, (laughs) it's scary. So, and that's how I wrote my book. Actually, I got up an hour earlier every morning and and time in the morning. Yeah. So, well, it has been such a treat. Halatala, thank you for joining us today with Young and, Profit, Prof, Young and Profiting Media. And I'm really excited to, to watch uh, everything that you're going to be doing. And it's exciting to see what you've done. Uh, where can our listeners connect with you?
0: Sure. They can find me on LinkedIn. You just search for my name. It's actually Hala Taha and also on Instagram at Yap with Hala. And my podcast is called Young and Profiting Podcast. So I interview the brightest minds in the world. I've interviewed Matthew McConaughey, Seth Godin, Robert Green. We talk all about how to gain influence, productivity, entrepreneurship, side hustle. So if you guys like those topics, make sure you check out Young and Profiting Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.